Long time. Thank you for um, coming to see us this evening. I sort of move that so every time I move I don't lose my voice. Um, you've written this magnificent book, You Will Not Have My Hate. Could we start off, could I start off by asking you to take us back to the 13th of November? Mm. Um, it all starts um, just like in the book. It, it was a text message from Eden's sister and asking me just are you fine? It, it seems to me like it's a normal text message and I, I don't like my phone, I don't like to answer to text message. So my friends could tell you that. It's, I'm, I need a month to answer to a text message, so I didn't answer it. And, and after that she asked me, are you safe? And from that moment I, I felt that something was wrong, of course, and I turned on the television. I was reading a book and Medvid was sleeping in his room and I saw, first I saw the um, football match between France and Germany, I think, mm -hmm. and there was something wrong, but it was not clear and after that I turned on a, a news channel that I hate, but, and I saw, I saw the attack at Bataclan and I realized that she was there and so it started like that and after that I have to wait because I, I the first reaction is you just want to go out and find her. But he was there, I was alone with him so I I had to wait for my brother and my sister to come to my place and then after with my brother we go to everyday hospital in Paris all the night. And I think it's strange, but really the book starts with that, but the story starts when I think at 7 a.m. with my brother, I told him, now we go back home because I have a milk bottle to give to Melville, so mm -hmm. if I need to be a full-time father, it has to be the first day. Because if I give me the choice to say I'm too tired or I'm too sad, or, you know, I thought uh, I will avoid it every time. Mm -hmm. it, it was a chance to avoid it, and mm -hmm. I want I wanted to embrace it immediately. Mm -hmm. So I go back to my place and give the milk button. And, yeah. So even at that very early stage, you were ready to you were accepting the possibility of being a, a fathering alone. Yeah. Because I had to, but. Yet you cannot accept it till someone say it to you, mm -hmm. and till someone officially said it. And and before that, it's a very strange feeling because it's you have that highest hope that perhaps it's just a mistake. She's not at hospital, but perhaps she's okay. I don't know where, but perhaps she's okay. Mm -hmm. There is a chance, and. And at the same time, it's not one and after another, it's at the same time. You, are, you, are, you have so much despair because you say, no, it's impossible. She, you know, the attack was there and she was there and she's not answering the phone. And so, so it's very strange, strange feeling. I don't know if there are a word for it, um, mm -hmm. but 
we should invent one because that feeling is very particular. So it's a sort of a gradual, a gradual declining of hope and a gradual increase of despair, I suppose, as the time goes on. The strange part, <clears throat> the strange part is that the two feelings are powerful at the same time, because you know, all all yourself are is in in that two paradox of feelings at the same time. You you cannot just say, perhaps she's alive. No, if there is one chance she's alive, she's totally alive, and it's totally different. And if there is a chance that she is dead, she, yeah, it's the same, mm -hmm. and totally and entirely. So, it's not graduating. It's like the most powerful feeling at the same time, mm -hmm. and paradoxal feeling. It's yeah, very strange. Mm -hmm. Can you um, best tell us what happened next when you? At some point, the, the situation became clear, didn't it? And as you said, is that when a person of authority has to tell you that? Mm. Uh, when I wrote that book, I, I chose the part I want to share. Mm. Because I think some parts are meaningful and meaning something beyond them, beyond just what they seem to tell. And, and some parts I want to just keep for me and my son. And this is a part I want to keep for me, yeah. Because you know, uh, it's I think it's the difference between interest and curiosity. Uh, I don't know if that moment had really a sense. Uh, I don't know if it's really interesting. But yes, instinctively, your curiosity want to know, but. What would you learn if you really know? Mm -hmm. Nothing more. You know, you can imagine that. Mm -hmm. You can really imagine that. Everyone can imagine that. What that moment were for me. So, I keep it for me. Yeah. Tell us about writing the Facebook post. That mm -hmm. What moved you to communicate in that way? First, it was a... Uh, after two days, uh, waiting to find her and uh, I saw her and she was like so beautiful just exactly the same when I met her 12 years ago and you know I had that strange feeling that uh, I was relieved when I saw her because I spent Tonight, and I was thinking, um, she's alone in the dark, and I can do nothing. And I don't know how to describe that feeling, but it was so powerful. It was so, so. I just want to go back to my villa and say, yeah, mom, I have Mama in my hand, and she's with me. And during the, the trip to kindergarten, the words start to go on my head, and I don't know how, I don't know why. I think it's an instinct response, and I really don't know why, but I know that I have to protect him and to protect my myself. So 
this is the way I found to protect us from that and from the temptation of hating them. And because I think hatred is a comfort at that moment, should have been a comfort because it's easy, it's just there. You just have to, to leave yourself to it, it's there. But I think after that, after you just leave yourself to it, it, it will grow and take all the space in your life. And your whole life will be about just that. So I have a, I have a responsibility to raise a son and I'm the filter between the world and him. So I need to do my job at that time. And I think instinctively it take the form of that word that I put on Facebook because it's only, I don't know, it's life is strange. It's, it's just my brother was with me and I didn't uh, eat anything for the weekend. And his mission that day was to force me to eat something. And so he said to me after I, I wrote it on my computer, now you just have to close the computer and go with me to have a meal. And I was okay. So just just near the, the document, there was the Facebook page, I, I just posted it and thinking that way the people close to me, my friend, my family, will know uh, which way we want to go, where we want to go with Melvin. And um, after that, it's, yeah, it's great. But <laughs> after that, I didn't have, you know, the word didn't belong to me anymore. It's something else. Did you feel that other people were expecting you to feel hatred and anger? There's a, you write a bit about being in a, a cafe and there's two men, and, or you overhear something where they say people shouldn't die for nothing, and you ask the question, but does anybody die for anything? It's a natural response to it. And perhaps some people can deal with it, but I thought that I, I wasn't that strong to to accept it and then refuse it. I know that if I just let her, her hatred enter in my life, I, I will be overwhelmed by it mm. and I will lose control. But I think some people perhaps are stronger to deal with their hatred. And, and it's okay for them, but for me, it, it was impossible. Yeah. Mm. And do you think very tied up with being a father? Do you think you were thinking as the father of Melville. Yeah, since the first day, yeah. 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 You know, people uh, before, when Ellen was pregnant, they said to us that, you know, a little child, when it comes to, but the first stage of a little child, it's only eating and sleeping and pooping. But really, I didn't feel that anytime. He, he, when he, he came to Earth, and that day he has his eyes open, just, yeah, the first second. And, you know, I spent some time just with him because uh, the doctor needed to warm him up after the... And I felt that connection immediately. Mm -hmm. It was never about just a stomach or... No, it was a strong relationship since the beginning, so, so I was, yeah, I was really aware of that. Mm -hmm. And perhaps for me, you know, getting to my fatherhood, 
completely was a way not to just uh, abandon life and mm -hmm. because the temptation is there at that moment mm -hmm. and still every day I want to just escape my life and sometimes I'm on the balcony and I'm just thinking about whoosh, more simple but yeah it's impossible because so, of yeah. yeah yeah so you wrote this thing on Facebook about not um, not giving in to hatred, and then there was a huge response. And everyone wrote you letters and sent little gifts for Melville. Just tell us about how that felt to have, <coughs> to have unintentionally expressed mm. something important at a time of, expressed something so important to other people. Yeah, at a I, time think, when I think what I realized very quickly is that people expecting that kind of message. They were waiting for that. It's not that um, this message imposes a new idea or exceptional idea. No, it's not that. It's, it just reveals what many people have inside them. But perhaps they don't feel legitimate to, to express it, or perhaps they don't have the words, or I don't know, but, you know, they just jump on that message to, ah, yeah, someone say what I deeply felt, and yes, okay, and he is just directly touched, so yes, I'm allowed me to, to feel that and to fight for it. So it's, so that I realized it very quickly, but really <coughs> the place of the letter and the publicity of the letter, it's the place I, um, I give her in the book, it's like an anecdote. Mm -hmm. I lived at that time something much more important than just 200 or 70 million shares. You know, mm -hmm. I don't care about, mm -hmm. about that. I didn't care about that at the time. So it was, and I must say that um, Melville can play with any books he likes and doing whatever he wants with books, but he's not allowed to watch the screen. So, mm -hmm. so I have me to, to control myself, so I'm not allowed when I'm with him to watch my phone, and so it's very comfortable because I didn't saw it like, you know, the red light on the Facebook app, and you know, I didn't saw it. I just saw it when I go to bed, so it was really not inside the house. It was just outside something living itself. Mm -hmm. The time frame of, of your book, it's a very um, short time frame, as it, yeah. it takes place over a few days, really. Was that intentional? Was that part of your idea that you would give a certain amount of things yeah. and keep other things to yourself? There is two major reasons for that. The first is that I want it to be the most, the most sincere I can, and I know I had to write it quickly after that. And because if if I had taken time to think about, oh, who's gonna read it, and perhaps, you know, for example, I didn't, when I wrote the book, I didn't not one time think about the fact that Melville will probably read it. Mm -hmm. Because uh, I didn't want any barrier or I wanted to be sincere and real. and because I think it's very important. It, you know, the emotion is so important and so deep, and it, if you betray them, yeah, it, mm -hmm. 
No, it was not that. So it was important to be quick. So it has to be just a few days after. And it's like you say, uh, I choose what I want to share. And after that, you know, this story is in that book. And we can discuss about that publicly anytime you want. But what happening after, mm -hmm. it's for me. It's mm -hmm. back for me and for my son. Mm -hmm. If if you want, we can have a, a, a drink after, and yeah, I will talking to you about that, but mm -hmm. not publicly. Mm -hmm. So this is why it's only twelve days. Mm. I think it's very difficult for any memoirist and any writer um, to keep a grip on what is for themselves and what is a a point of being public. Um, and I wondered whether you how, you how you think about any future writing you may do in, in i'm just wondering whether you think consider sort of, oh i'll if i write another book maybe it'll be a, a mystery about a author who maybe killed someone or didn't kill someone which is the detective novel that Antoine's reading at the start mm. i wonder whether you whether this exists in its own box or whether you think you might return to the subject of grief in future writings? I don't know, but I don't want to think about it. Mm -hmm. That's all right, I'll ask you something uh, else. <laughs> That's fine, don't think about it. I'll no, ask you no, 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 else. no, really, because I think it's important when you think, uh, you know, for me, literature is sacred. It's an art mm -hmm. form. And, you know, this is why for 10 years I just wrote. Uh, I just start books and books and just throw it away because it was it was not as as I wanted to be and it, you know I don't know but after Flaubert I have to say something <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so you know you have to take risks and if you're thinking about writing as a career you're thinking about uh, what was the emotion that pleased the people in my first book, so perhaps I can use it too. And you're insincere, and you're not talking to anyone. You know, what I discovered about writing is the act of writing, it's deep and it's wonderful. It, it was wonderful for me, even in that circumstances. But what I discovered too, after that, is that when you're alone in front of your computer, and after that you're alone with the people who read the book. You're alone with him. It's, you know, it's a very personal relation, so I can't lie to them. I can't just give them a recipe of what is a book and reflect on, yes, now they need to cry at that moment now. So I will just write. I started writing something, and I don't know what exactly. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to know what. I think it's the way I make it because I don't want to make a business out of it. I, if I have to write a second book, it would just be something and you will judge it and mm -hmm. say if it's literature or not. And, but that's it. Yeah. You're, re you're reading a book at the start of the book, the detective novel, and I think, can I guess what book it is that you're reading? Yeah. I think it's the Harry Quibert affair. Exactly. Ah, yeah. yes. <laughs> that makes me feel pleased as a bookworm. So, could you talk to us a bit about um, 
how it feels to or you said earlier on you didn't at the time think about Melville reading it mm. but that occurred at some point it's rather beautiful is it that he at some point will have this record or do you more feel an unease you're talking about the fact that he will read the book yeah I don't want to think about it oh, right. no yeah it's the same it's not because uh, I don't want to have any expectation about it, you know, I think, I don't know what to say, but, uh, one of the major problems in society, when you start a sentence like that, it's always finished bad, but <laughs> I can say even though, so, uh, is that you have so much expectation, so let the time do its job, and you will do it, and probably will read it one time and say, oh, wonderful, or not, or probably a second time, or probably never, I don't know, mm -hmm. and I don't want to know. Mm -hmm. But at the time he will read it, he will talk to me, I will be entirely with him. Mm -hmm. Okay, present time is important, but I don't want to expect anything. Yeah, yeah. no. Mm -hmm. And f for you, if you forget us for a moment, just the fact that you have written down how those few days felt to you. You have always captured for you those, what that time felt like. Do you think, because sometimes I think we, we feel in the moment mm. that we will always remember those things. Yeah. But actually, if you don't yeah, like them, they yeah. fade. Yeah. So you have, you've caught that for you. Does that, do you feel, can you see that and feel pleased about it? Now, I start now, mm -hmm. but only now, because it was not the... At the moment, it was just about the moment of writing, because I was just like suffocating on my room when Medville was at Ben, and you're like alone, and the walls are just falling on you, and you don't have the space, you don't have... Yeah. So, writing was an open door to uh, a place where I can breathe freely. And, but I didn't want to escape reality. And writing about that was going to a, to a place where imagination is the limit, but with my son and Hélène and the grief. And, you know, it was, I didn't want to escape that reality. But uh, I didn't remember the question. <laughs> uh, no, no, the writing moments were very important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, would you tell what us? What was the question? I was asking you, you about. You don't remember, is it? No, I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, about the feeling that you've captured those times. Ah, um, I, now I realize it's. I think it's important. Yeah. I realized as I was asking you the question that because this is something I talk about with other memoirists that you think. When something terrible happens to you, you think the details of that will always be burnt onto your brain. And it's only later that you realise they aren't. And it's only, and other people say, write it down, and you think, don't be ridiculous, I will always remember it. And it's only later that you wish you had. I realised as I was asking you the question that the difference between you and every other memoirist is that you did write it down in the moment. Mm. So I was kind of, ask, <laughs> kind of asking you a question that precedes presupposed you having to imagine what it would have been like if you hadn't written it down in the moment. It's all very complicated. Yeah, too complicated but, um, for me. Why don't we instead, why don't you, um, would you tell us about the soup? <laughs> yeah, you want me to, to be a awful man? Yeah. The soup. Many love in the soup. 
too much love for us at the moment, at the time, because all the mothers at the kindergarten, they, they want to do something for us, because they saw us two guys and said, oh, how can he, how will he manage it? It's impossible. And so they prepare home-cooked meal. It was very nice. And I take it for Melville, and the problem is that Ellen and I won't want it to be perfect parents, but we were just acceptable parents. So the, the difference between perfect and acceptable was cooking. <laughs> so Melville is used to uh, organic, but prepared uh, supermarket food. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so when it tastes uh, the home cooked meal, it was, he uh, refused it. So he was like, no. Then, so, okay. So I have to throw it away. And, but the day after, when they asked me, oh, did you like it? I was like, yeah, I like it so much. And it continues, continues, continues. So, what I, yeah, but he didn't eat any meal, yeah, I have to say. But we keep the love that the mothers put in it to prepare it, really. Because at that time, we need to protect us. Because I need him to feel secure just with me. And so the world need to stay outside of our home. It was, I think, very important. And, but we have just, you know, little enters for that little love. So we keep the messages, the letter that the mother put with the meal and a little origami that is still uh, on our living room. And, Okay, so we kept the love, not the food, and I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Has, um, since writing the book, have any of the soup donors <laughs> asked you about it? Mm, that I keep it from. <laughs> <laughs> That's a private matter. Um, I was wondering how it feels to be When, you, when you're part of a tragedy in which lots of other people are part of the same tragedy, um, because you had your own tragedy on that night and lots of other people had a similar thing. And as uh, when you, you write about the um, psychological support workers in their high-vis jackets and, and this sort of reluctance to be involved with them. Um, and I wondered if you could talk to us a bit about that, uh, that feeling that there are other people in some ways having I don't know, I guess some shared experience, but of course otherwise not having a shared experience with you. Um, it, this is two different things for me because uh, my reluctance for psychiatric support is very specific and I don't know where it came from. from. I, I don't know why that, but uh, you know, I'm afraid of, uh, I call them uh, microwave ideas. It's like, you know, you're telling some people a long story, very complex story, and then put it in the microwave, and it, mm. after three minutes, it's like one sentence to resume what your whole story. Mm -hmm. I'm very uncomfortable with that, because I'm feeling like that. I know it's not normal, and, <laughs> and perhaps I have to work on it with a psychiatrist, but yeah, this is a problem. So. But this is that. This is very personal. But after that, uh, 
I met people who lived the same tragedy and it was very rich and important and some people ask me because of the letter and, and yeah I think there is a, a natural brotherhood because at that moment <clears throat> everything is about you and you know no one wants to talk about his own problem because yours is too big but you're still a human being you need to share something mm -hmm. you can give but you you need to to have in return and even if it's problems and so with that with the people who did the same thing you can talk about that of course but about anything else because you have the same I don't know, I don't like the idea, but you have the same amount of grief, so mm -hmm. it's okay. You are at the same level, you can discuss anything. So it was important, and I think for the future, it's very important for me to know that it's not only me, because at the first time, as I say, I need to protect us, so I need to build that barrier and to protect us from the world. And so it was very personal. Mm -hmm. and. After that, I know that it is a, a collective story, so it's important for me, and I think in the in the future it could be important for Melvin mm -hmm. to be able to meet people who live the same thing as he lived, and to know that he's, he's not alone. And so, yeah, I think it was important to meet them. Do you think, um, I can't think of a French phrase for this, but in English, we talk about how when, when someone treats you with kid gloves, which means when people are very soft and kind <coughs> with you because they think they have to be. Yeah. And that obviously that prevents normal life in a way carrying on. Mm. So I was wondering if in your in your brotherhood, I guess, no one is having to treat each other with kid <laughs> exactly. gloves because yeah. you're in the same you're in the same boat. So we've just gone yeah. <laughs> gone idiom crazy. Yeah. Um, this is that. Um, and you, you know, it's like, for me it was not like that, because I had a close friend, really close, and, and it, it was easy for me to share with them, and I felt support with them, really. But um, I met a girl who contacted me, and she hadn't left her home since the 13th of November, and we were at, like, after the release of the book in France, like April or May. So it's like more than six months alone at home. And because when she when she discussed with friends, she felt like she can't say everything because they won't understand or so it's important to meet people who live the same thing, I think. But it's very strange because I saw um will it change with time? And no. I'm the photographer um, in the morning, uh, I don't remember the newspaper, but the photographer, you know, he looked at me with a different eye, and I didn't know why, and after the photo shooting, he said to me, I listened to you on Radio 4 this morning, and I did the same thing, and I lost my leg. And, yes, we were about to have a beer together, because, yeah, the brother, this brotherhood, even, there is no, uh, even in a different country, even many years after, mm -hmm. it's still there. Mm -hmm. You look in the eyes and, okay, we are the same, we are brothers. Mm -hmm. 
So, yeah, it's important. Do you feel there's a bit in your book mm. where you talk about it's called the right to doze this chapter mm. and you talk about um and suddenly i'm afraid do you mind Fred? no and suddenly i'm afraid afraid that i won't be able to meet people's expectations will i no longer have the right to lack courage the right to feel angry the right to be overwhelmed the right to be tired the right to drink too much and start smoking again and it carries on I really hope you do have the right to do those things. Yeah, I do. And I fall, and yeah, regularly, yeah. And it was really, I think we can go back to the previous question. It's why perhaps it was important to write it down mm. at the time, because it changes very quickly. Because, you know, the normal life, go back again very quickly and so people just look at you and if you want to fall you fall and mm -hmm. the friends and family are there to just give you a hand to go back on the track so mm -hmm. but at the moment i i felt that i was like you know a, a totem you know like a symbol mm -hmm. so and i have to receive everything and and i know it was it was not just me and my son, it was all the victims of the attacks. Mm -hmm. We were just there to receive it and, and give back to everyone. But it was heavy at the time, and, but now it's very light. Mm -hmm. so, and it's also because of the book. Because now, just after the attacks, it was only about terrorists and your reaction, and you're so wonderful. And now it's about uh, your, it's about fatherhood and love and raising a child and many different things. So yes, it's very different. Huh? Mm -hmm. Because obviously life is complex. So I hope you don't feel the pressure. So I I'd imagine people are always telling you how wise and brave and heroic you are, which is wonderful. But it's a pressure to have to be all those things. Mm -hmm. I think the, the problem of the, if you build a statue, mm -hmm. you can just look at it and say, oh, that's the hero, okay, so he's taking charge of it. And the meaning of the words was that we have collectively to taking charge of it. If you felt something reading the words in the Facebook post, the book, or, okay, you, as, as, you are as responsible as I am mm -hmm. to, to care for that word and to live um, with the spirit of that word. So, when you have a statue, you can just look at the statue and it's wonderful and, okay, me, I can live my life. No, there's no statue, you, you know. The, this is why I want the, this is why I, I also want the book to tell that we are just human and it's not, we are not just a story. <laughs> and it's, deeper than that mm -hmm. and so so you have the responsibility too it's mm -hmm. not only my son and i and mm -hmm. even when we look good on the picture it's not just that i think it's one of the reasons why i really like the soup chapter as well <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of you're being right out there with the notion of being um yeah. lord um the 
I wonder would you also tell us because I have done this um, and not in such sad circumstances about the fingertips. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's a uh, universally. Yeah. Um, yeah, the feathers don't cut the nails. <laughs> I, I have so many feathers who came and talked to me and say, after reading your book, I cut my thumbnail for the first time. <laughs> Thank you very much. And I don't know why, but it's like that. And so, yeah, the first time I had to do it on my own, this, this was the only things that left that I didn't do it myself. Uh, so... This anecdote is about uh, raising a child, the fact that you are just facing the necessity and you just have to do it. And you don't know it before and you don't know if you did good after, but mm -hmm. you just have to do it. Mm -hmm. it's just like that. But, yeah, this is so... I don't know. You know, you're projecting many things on, on the children's head, <laughs> but, you know, I just rip and cutting the part of the skin and but he didn't cry he just looked at me like okay you have to work a bit but okay continue